HD3 Detroit. KJAQ. HD3 Seattle. WBMX. HD3 Boston. And on AOL Radio and Yahoo Launchcast. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal. With Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New skyradio.com. Believe. What's really behind the ancient stories of vampires and demons? What's really going on when people report dishes and armchairs floating across their dining rooms? If it happens to you, what do you do about it? Well, hello, friends, and welcome to the 179th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Paul, and those creepy questions came from my son, co-host, and partner in the paranormal, Ben. Oh, yeah, super creepy. Um, Our guest this evening is my dad. Of all people. Hello. And again, it is my dad, whose research on poltergeists over the last 40 years is considered groundbreaking. As far as we know, he is the first researcher to suggest that poltergeists are not demons or the energy of some human quote unquote agent, but actual life forms that prey on human energy. You know, walking into a home or even a backyard and feeling that unmistakable electrical skin crawl. Uh, stepping through the door of an empty barn in New Hampshire accompanied by a police officer, only to have an old chair smashed into the wall about five inches from my head, uh, young people whose personalities suddenly change after using a Ouija board, shadowy figures spotted out of the corner of your eye after an argument with another family member. These are all clues to the possible presence of what we call parasites. So better get a grip. To paraphrase an old saying, this isn't your dad's paranormal anymore. It's my dad's paranormal. Okay, this feels like Ghostbusters. I walked right into that one. Okay. It feels like Ghostbusters. All right. Just, uh, it's like... Well, right, put away your proton pack. Hopefully we won't need it. All right. All right. To the garden variety modern mind, our theories about what these things really are may sound completely nuts. Semi-invisible life forms that come in and eat the energy you pump out when you have a fight or have an act of hatred for somebody? Well, well... And they come from parallel worlds that we usually can't see. Well, sounds crazy, but after 40 years in the paranormal trenches, spending a great deal of time on cases, that's precisely what I found. Though they might try very hard to make you think that they are something else, uh, they are not spirits of the dead. They are not demons or servants of Satan. They're not fallen angels. They're life forms like you and me, subject to the laws of nature, or perhaps we should coin the phrase, well, I wouldn't be coining it, but say the phrase or the, the term supernature, uh, because they do not seem to be native to our reality, our world, our corner of the multiverse, that vast interactive system of worlds that embraces every possible outcome and every possible variation of physics. We call them ghosts, demons, or even vampires, because that's what they look like from our narrow point of view. Without our narrow thinking, that's the best we can do. Well, but don't underestimate life. Don't underestimate life, that's right. Any student of folklore will tell you that even the most outrageous nursery stories are based on some grain of truth, sometimes from the remote past. Uh, there is a multitude of folklore about various beings, some human and some very far from it. Most were and are considered spirits, that's beings without physical bodies, though I think you can forget that. Now, most of the entities viewed or felt across what we call the multiverse's electromagnetic world boundaries usually have physical characteristics and certainly can have physical effects intended or not on our conscious world. 
But what really convinced you that? Uh, but what really convinced you that we're dealing with real life forms and not just devil's psychic residue or whatever? Well, the parasites themselves convinced me of it, Ben. Uh, in the Bridgeport case, uh, 1974, which we've talked about often on the show, there were four non-human beings that entered that living room on that one particular night. We were there for three days. Uh, I was working with Ed Lorraine Warren. They weren't here on this particular occasion. But I had a physical encounter with one uh, while I was trying to protect that little girl. As I pushed at it with the side of my body, I felt bone structure. And it was not human bone structure. I really couldn't identify it. Uh, these things are not spirits. I've only been working with you for, like, what, five years? Yeah. Something like that. But I ran into parasites right away, namely that one in the haunted policeman case. So, well, the guy from Vermont that we talked to. Yeah, we uh, talked about on our drive time show last week. Mm -mm, no, CBS. Did we? Oh, okay, my CBS. mistake. All right. It was CBS, yeah. So, but you said that one could have become a poltergeist right so what's yeah. what's the difference between a regular parasite and a poltergeist well that's a good question uh because it, the poltergeist uh well anyway my experience when a parasite encounters an environment that enables it to literally gorge itself on energy from a particular world it's it's able to affect the physical environment in that world in an amazing way uh such as um me standing with those cops in the Bridgeport case watching that huge refrigerator kind of float up off the floor and uh, all sorts of things that were seen in that case and others. Uh, it's even able to physically enter that world, usually only for brief periods. All right, so you didn't see that, say, just our world, right? No, no, I didn't, because I've seen them operating, and this is where it really gets weird. Uh, I've seen them operating in uh, more than one world at a time. Uh, one of the best examples I can think of of that was in the King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. It's not too far from Philadelphia. In 2004, uh, a man called me in because he was terrified for his girlfriend and her roommate uh, who were living in this house. Uh, they were experiencing a serious, uh, what I judged immediately, a serious parasite infestation. Now, after I found out what was happening and helped the girls learn to contain the parasite by projecting positive energy... I was able to study this creature in a, a little bit, and I was, it was fascinating to watch this thing in action. It was feeding off, in my belief, an accidental killing that was taking place in the backyard in a parallel reality, which I believe was in what to us would be the future. Right? But in this other world, it already was. All these possibilities and outcomes already exist. Uh, another part of it was reaching into our conscious reality to feed off the fear of these two young women. Uh, the parasite was even, even verbally abusing them. This voice would come out of the air. Uh, but in the main part of it, uh, it was in a third parallel world where it was terrorizing a family living in the same house in that world. The energies at the site had the world boundary so confused that the family thought the girls, who I was trying to help, were ghosts haunting their house as the parasite apparently engaged in full-blown poltergeist activity in that family's parallel world. You run into this all the time if you know what to look for. And uh, the more you study the case, the more, you, more these things become clear. Now, if I'd had the time, I was down there for a conference, uh, I would have stayed longer to try to help that family in the other world, too. You can do things like that. That's the, that's the kind of thing uh, we'll be doing on TV, hopefully. Uh, one thing, remember the case, you know, the case in Maine? 
It's kind of ongoing. Uh, you, you, uh, that was, I think, uh, one of the that and the haunted policeman were uh, among your uh, early cases when they worked with me. Uh, we've been up there, and we got that that really strange photograph in this area. Where I felt there were children uh, living in a parallel reality, occupying the same space in, in in this house, and they were it was a very happy group of children. But I was afraid that the parasite that's bothering the family in our conscious world was going to be going after them. So that's something that uh, we keep trying to monitor as well with, with, with the family whom we are com- in communication with there, too. But th- this is how these things seem to operate. Sorry, why isn't quantum physics all over this? It, it proves the multi-worlds theory. Yeah, it does. Well, I don't know. Very often when people are, of course, professors at universities, which most uh, prominent physicists are, they um, still have to toe the party line. Science, unfortunately, is not pure research it's not purely honest uh what they believe in often depends on how many bucks are involved right it's a terrible thing to say but unfortunately that's the way it is i have um been able to get psychologists to work with us at times work with me as a soil engineer uh, he's he wants to be coming in on, with us uh, on a few cases that are, uh, he hasn't been with us for a while uh, a number of different professionals with phds and bingo they just um no physicists. Physicists will not work with me on this, although many have told me they agree 100% with what we're saying, but they don't want to say it because it'll sound too crazy and they'll lose their jobs or, or that they'll invite ridicule from their, uh, you know, colleagues. So it's just, it's not, it's not a good situation. And I don't, we even have a medical doctor, Dr. Steve Cherry, uh, but it, but not, not a physicist. So I don't know why they're not all over this. I don't know. You can sit in the classroom and learn this stuff. But or, or something like it, but it's not like being out there and seeing it. Yeah, experience is the best teacher. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, they do scientists do see hints of this stuff uh, on the blackboards in cyclotrons, and again, we see it in the trenches all the time. Um, and we're coming up on a break. However, uh, another thing is that okay, uh, I think science's vision of life is very very small. In fact, life is very tenacious, very broad, stunningly diverse, and it's simply everywhere. I mean, living microbes have been found in the cores of nuclear reactors. I mean, can you think of a more hostile environment than that? In, the tw- in the 2002, there were frozen microbes uh, brought up from a buried Antarctic lake uh, ble- uh, underneath a mile of ice. and was, They were believed to be about 3,000 years old. They were revived simply by thawing and adding water. I mean, and there are many reports of dormant insects, amphibians, and other creatures found in hollow rocks millions of years old that were revived. Um, really? Oh, absolutely. I never heard that. Oh, yeah. There was, oh, I could tell you all kinds of stories of, uh, you never looked at my files on this. Um, I didn't even know you had files on this. Well, so why do we think it's in the back room? They're just the cat? Well, no, avalanche is waiting to happen. Well, all right. Well, that's true. The place needs to be better organized. But anyway, there are, especially from the 1880s and 90s, there were all sorts of, of examples of people, you know, knocking uh, a stone open, say, at a quarry, and, and it was a toad. Say in there. This happened on several occasions. There was a toad. A toad was in there, and it came to life. Supposedly. Now, of course, this is unconfirmed. Simply because trained scientists did not happen to be there to see it. Uh, but there are all sorts of examples of uh, apparent uh, dormancy, or what used to be called suspended animation, uh, inside rocks and, and, and caves. Uh, in South America, supposedly there was a uh, some sort of. Uh, prehistoric or a pteranodon or pterodactyl or something that was inside a large uh, a rock area in, in this mine, and the thing opened, and the thing came to life, chased the guys out of the mine, 
and it flew away, supposedly. Uh, again, unconfirmed. We don't know. So the point being that life is everywhere, every when, and that we should not under underestimate a life uh, not only in these worlds, but between them. Strange concept. Anyway, we're going to take a break now. Here on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com. We're talking about paras parasites, paranormal parasites. And we'll be right back. Stay with us. CBS Radio's The New Sky. NewSkyRadio.com. Across the Veil with April Lugo. Join April Lugo each Tuesday night at 7 for Across the Veil. Across the Veil is a show that promises to be a unique experience as April connects and communicates with those who are across the veil. April receives guidance and wisdom from the ancients, angels, masters, teachers, and guides, as well as hearing messages from those who have preceded us across the veil, family, friends, and loved ones alike. The program is an excellent opportunity for you to hear from those who are across the veil. April will be answering questions and giving insight. That's the main reason for the program. Across the Veil at 7 Tuesday on the Sky. Look up to the sky. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Reach out. New SkyRadio.com.
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. And welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. And we're talking this evening about parasites. And uh, we had a, there's a, I mean, we're on Facebook. The show's on Facebook. You can uh, see our little page there. And uh, one, uh, and also we have our Ben and I have our personal pages on Facebook. And w- there's a, uh, and I'm a journalist by profession. I've been in the newspaper business for uh, over 30 years. And uh, there's a young lady who uh, has worked for me off and on as an editor and a reporter since she got out of college. And uh, she wrote in that she saw uh, we announced the parasite subject tonight. She said, "Leave it to you to capitalize on the bed bug problem that's attacking the country." I said, and I said, oh, you're just a riot. And unfortunately, we're not talking about anything as simple as that. These are far, far more, in many ways, dangerous entities than bed bugs. But nevertheless, the name parasite fits. Anyhow, we were talking about life and its various forms, uh, how it's everywhere, every when. And today, you know, NASA searches Mars and some of the uh, Jovian moons for life as we know it. But what about life as we don't know it? What about the multiverse, that infinite sea of worlds that touch, pass through one another, and even combine right at the edges of our consciousness. They give us, quote, exceptional human experiences, as Dr. Rhea White calls them, and in turn, they give us our myth and folklore, stories of life forms not native to our own tiny corner of the multiverse, endless varieties of life that our immediate ancestors called ghosts, demons, fairies, spirits, and yes, gods and goddesses. Our ancestors knew the multiverse as the true world. And uh, anyway, I think from one or more of these worlds certainly come what we call parasites, the source of some of our most primal myths of evil spirits and demons. And from the ancient Near East, Asia, and the Americas, come the oldest stories of vampires, stories not of blood-sucking guys in capes, but of, quote, life-sucking ghosts. That's actually how it translates from the ancient Babylonian. Uh, while that term is known today mostly in video games, uh, paranormal investigators meet the real thing all the time, whether they know it or not. In myth, uh, prehistory, human human uh, myth and folklore, which is the sort of the vessel of our race memory, parasites were the prototypes for vampires. Now, what kind of life forms are these? All right, you got carbon-based life forms like ourselves, and we expect that every kind of other thing is going to be carbon-based too. That's very arrogant and it's very narrow-minded. Parasites. Uh, I believe, are just as physical as we are in their own worlds. They do seem to be based on plasma. That's, that's really just ionized gas or electrified air molecules. Uh, most of them even look like that in one form or another, uh, both in photographs and on the rare occasions when I've seen them with the naked eye. Uh, some species appear smoky, either light or dark. Others look very bright, almost like bolts of lightning. Uh, still others uh, appear to be shadowy figures, some near, nearly solid. You know, the shadow people they talk about in the paranormal will look, don't, you know, don't look now, but you're probably dealing with some of these. Uh, some are quite disconcertingly solid. And I've identified about 10 different species or so, Ben, huh? but at this point, uh, though there may be far more, starting at the bottom are the least intelligent, almost childish, two-dimensional thinkers. Uh, these are extremely p- possessive of their hosts and often will travel with them. If they can, they will maintain codependent relationships with their hosts. A host as in the, the host of a parasite. 
<laughs> what do you mean us? No, you know what I'm thinking of is X. We had on some of our early shows the the artist from New York whose name uh, we don't mention because of her public. Uh, because we don't know it. Well, we, we know it, but the, the public doesn't need to. Uh, I know. I was I was making a joke. Okay. Oh, I see. So I was making. Okay. Well, that was very very funny. Yes. Uh, but in any case, these are. Uh, she has uh, one that seems to be attaching her to her, her, attached to her in the way that these uh, lower species do seem to, to react. Uh, there will be um, uh, physical interaction. The, there was an indication that this pushed her down the stairs at one point. Uh, there were all sorts of physical manifestations from this, but it does seem to be very codependent and thinks like like it's like a, a child, not a human child, but it's uh, very strange. Now, at the higher end, are highly intelligent. Quick learning beings who are very ancient uh, and very wise in the ways of their own kind. Uh, they have many subtle ways of feeding, uh, and they are very psychic, if I can use the word. They can mimic the looks and even the voices of deceased loved ones, living people, space aliens, if you will, and even religious figures. They can uh, push the buttons they need to make you think they're just about anybody or anything uh, in order to get you stirred up and... Um, uh, get uh, food from you. But how can they move between these worlds so easily? Well, that's a good question, because we generally have a lot of trouble doing that. These parasites will send their their feelers, if you want to call it, or maybe uh, they may simply be riding, for lack of a better term, the interworld electrical currents that hold the universe together. I believe I actually witnessed that uh, in uh, what I call the case of the almost suicide in Massachusetts in 1983. Uh, just uh, briefly, there was uh, at one point, it was the first time I'd ever used an electromagnetic field meter, the famous EMF meter that that some of these uh, companies chucklingly uh, refer to as ghost meters and all silly stuff like that. But anyway, th there is a certain use for these things. Every electrical field uh, is, is, has to, is associated with an electric current somewhere. And very often when you're walking through a house with one of these things, you'll pick up the current from an appliance or from wires in the wall or something like this or from the, the fuse box or, or whatever. But uh, very often when one is absolutely nowhere, uh, when there's no other source, uh, this particular house I found an electric current running right in the air down the hallway. You could trace it with this device. It dropped to nothing, the meter. It wasn't digital. And this thing, you could feel it, practically see it come barreling down the uh, the hallway, right uh, to where I was in this bathroom, where you could, where we believe this this almost suicide was was going to take place. This was this was really strange. Um, here's another one where several worlds seem to be interacting. This parasite was feeding on a suicide that hadn't yet occurred in this house. It had occurred in a parallel world where it was already the future to which the parasite had access. Uh, when I found out that the woman of the family really was contemplating suicide, I tried to talk her out of it. Fortunately, I was successful. Uh, the paranormal situation immediately eased because in her decision, in, her, in our conscious world, uh, not to commit suicide, that literally echoed across the multiverse, apparently preventing her suicide in a number of other similar parallel worlds. This is how this works. Uh, therefore, reducing the power or the food value for the parasite of the whole act. Now, I've seen indications that many parasites not only are organized, but have a social structure. Uh, that was not the case with this one. This seemed to be operating alone. And just to finish the thought about the EMF meter, I later found out in, when I got a digital meter that, that when this thing drops, 
into the negative range of milligauss, uh, sometimes two to three hundred or more, that's when the polarity on the field is reversing and the and an energy is coming, or perhaps an entity from another parallel world. Because the flow is reversed. And uh, I saw that in West Virginia. You, you weren't there that night. We, we, you no. know, we were at the Paranormal Conference in West Virginia in 03. And uh, you decided uh, not to come, but we uh, went over to this island, the Blennerhassett State Park, uh, between Ohio and uh, West Virginia. And there was a, a, a similar, because it wasn't a parasite, it was a, simply a, a woman. Um, and we could all feel it. And, and I think we, we attempted to help her across the boundaries of the worlds. Uh, there was a legend, that, not a legend, it was a fact. The, the woman of the house, uh, the lady of the manor, as it were, in the late 1700s, uh, early 1800s, had lost her child, apparently had drowned in the river. And uh, they never found any indication. She used to pace on, that, uh, on the beach. And the historian, the guide, the ranger, said that where I was drawn to was, had actually been an inlet of the river at the time. And uh, rivers being what they are, they, they carry a lot of sediment, and inlets get filled in, and new ones are created. And it was, to this, today it's a lawn. So on this lawn, I really, really felt the presence of this woman. So did everybody else. She's not a ghost. wasn't dead. She's alive in her own parallel world where it was still 1825 or something. We sent love and compassion across it, and we could feel the mood of that place lift. She didn't know it. But people who cared about her from 200 years in her future were sending love back to her. Unbelievable power in that act. I wish you'd been there. Yeah. Come next time. Anyway, this is what this is is all about. The beauty of what the paranormal means will break your heart if if you get beyond this nonsense about ghosts and all the silliness that goes with the campfire story. You should be an inspirational speaker. Well, the whole subject is inspirational. Yes. So anyway, that's what we're talking about here. That's why we spend time on all this in this show. Um, okay. Now, uh, the existence of, we're talking about plasma-based life forms, uh, already has been theorized by guys like Carl Sagan. Yes. Uh, was since passed away, but a great uh, popularizer, uh, a great scientist in his own right, great popularizer of, of uh, what would be usually complicated scientific questions. Uh, astrobiologists, people who st- speculate about alien life. Uh, that's the kind of fluidity, plasma-based, that would help parasites ride or at least use electrical currents that happen across world bodies. It fits perfectly. Uh, because of its ionized state, plasma is extremely conductive, and it can interact dramatically with electromagnetic fields, or EMFs, associated with them, as we've just described. So what exactly is it that these parasites eat? Well, it sounds hokey, but they seem to thrive on whatever energy we put out when we're divided, stressed, angry, and full of hate. Maybe there's like some scientific thing that we actually do when we... Maybe it has to do with brainwaves. I think, yeah, th- that may be right. Yeah, but if you look at the cognitive neuroscience, you, you've got... Because uh, our brainwaves act differently when we're, in, when we're in different moods under different things. They, exactly, yeah. And things like that. Now, I always get them mixed up because I, I, I need to look it up if I'm going to talk about it. But the theta waves and uh, alpha waves... I believe it's theta waves that are given off when we're, maybe it's alpha, when, when we're angry, or all the stuff that seems to excite these things, yeah. or ring the dinner bell, as it were. Um, it could be like Monsters, Inc. Yeah, I remember we were speaking at the Mensa convention that came up, and I said theta waves, and somebody nobody's correcting me what's alpha waves. Well, whatever it is, it does seem to stir these things up, and the brain will send out these waves when you're in these moods. 
move waves. So, uh, but anyway, when, when you're happy, full of love, and united, uh, parasites not only lose their food supply, most of them seem repelled by it. They, they can't deal with it. Uh, now, our answer, uh, one answer at least might lie in, as I say, these alpha, beta, delta, theta waves, and but who knows? Uh, they can be measured on electroencephalographs. Uh, but do they ring the dinner bell for these parasites? Maybe they do. Uh, and if the victims don't provide enough sustenance on their own, the parasites have ways to prod them into doing so, like pretending to be, you know, somebody else. Uh, they might uh, they squeeze every drop like an orange. Uh, they might in some way have you frazzled uh, to get more food and, and uh, whatever they, they have to do, they, they do. Uh, so, so I haven't run into a demonic possession yet. Can that really happen? Oh, yeah. Well, I hope you never do run into it. Uh, we're coming up on a break right now, and we'll talk about that, the demonic possession, uh, when we come back. I'm Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS News Sky Radio, newskyradio.com. Stick with it and stick with it. CBS Radio's The New Sky. NewSkyRadio.com. This is The Lisa J. Smith Show. Hi, this is Lisa J. Join me for Lisa J. Now at 3 o'clock Eastern on CBS Radio The Sky. I'm bringing to you some great guests, numerologists, angel card readings, and more. That's at 3 o'clock Eastern on CBS The Sky. Look up to the sky. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Reach out. NewSkyRadio.com. All the weapons 
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. And welcome back. And Ben had just asked a question about demonic possession as uh, related to the parasite phenomena. And I was uh, just going to answer that uh, <clears throat> just by saying I hope he never runs into it. Uh, I unfortunately have, uh, especially when I was a grad student uh, and, and a seminary student working in psychiatric hospitals, uh, the un- unpublished reason that the priest and I were there was because there were some cases that the doctors would never admit publicly, of course, or, or even to each other sometimes, but they would suspect that these were people were possessed. And, you know, so w- what are they talking about? What is this? Uh, folklore calls it demonic possession. I mean, actually... Uh, does happen on rare occasions, uh, sometimes not so rare. Uh, it happens when hosts, uh, the people who are, these parasites are attached to, actually bond with the parasites to an extreme degree. It reminds me of hostages who actually bond with their captors, a phenomenon sometimes seen in terrorist situations. It even joined them on rare occasions. Uh, if anybody's as ancient as I am and remembers the Patty Hearst incidents of the 1960s and 70s, uh, she was the uh, the daughter of a prominent uh, media tycoon, was kidnapped by uh, domestic terrorists and actually ended up joining them uh, in the, their sort of anti-government crusade. And it was um, quite quite the uh, quite the thing at the time. But this this can happen. Now I firmly believe that parasites can't just take over and completely subvert somebody's personality. Uh, there has to be some kind of tacit agreement on the part of the victim. Even folklore reflects that. I remember when Jonathan Harker in the, stood at Dracula's castle door and Dracula shows up and says, enter of your own free will. Well, yeah, and he entered of his own free will, and therefore he was subject to whatever Dracula wanted to do to him. That's an old reflection of this idea that you have to kind of agree, down deep at least, that you want this to happen. And you find that many victims of parasites and poltergeists especially the kids, are, are not necessarily frightened of this. They're, uh, they, they're glad of the attention they get. Uh, if their life is not going well, their relationships with their parents may, might not be good, but hey, I have this cosmic being who claims to be you know, uh, king, king of the planet Bongo here, you know, giving me all the secret information or whatever relationship they have. That turns them on. And little do they know, they're lining up to be a hot lunch. And the outcome is not good. All right. So with that being said, what other traits have you noticed among parasites? Well, there are some really fascinating characteristics, Ben. Uh, for example, uh, they can physically lose you. In other words, if the typical host drastically changes, da- and I've suggested this on several occasions to people, uh, drastically changes uh, their daily habits or sleeps in a different room, for example, uh, the parasite sometimes has trouble locating the person for days or even weeks. This happened in a case in 1998, uh, over right over here in, in one of the neighboring towns to where we live, and it was quite fascinating. The woman was able to uh, begin to uh, throw this parasite off. She was very close to having a, a relationship that might have ended in possession, but we got to her soon enough, and she was able to uh, bring in positive energy, uh, change her life so that it was not... Uh, uh, ringing the bell for this thing, dinner bell, so to speak, and we were able—I was able to study it 
for quite a while. It was very interesting. Uh, they they seem to be able to slip between worlds. Uh, the mobility of many of them, while in our world, often seems uh, strictly limited while they're here. There were a number of times in, in, in that case and several others where one would literally, you could feel it. It was in the back seat with me. And as soon as I would drive a couple blocks, it would, it would, it would sort of let go and vanish because it, it couldn't be separated from the, the area, whether it was near its portal. Uh, very often there are high-tension wires nearby. It can, it can literally feed on your electrical system. One of the questions we ask, as you know, is, is that how, how has your electric bill been lately? You know, and people say, funny you should ask. Uh, it's been sky high. And I think only in one case did somebody not answer that way about the electric bill because the things feed on the electrical system. Uh, another weird characteristic of these things seems to be that the longer they spend in our world or attached to one of us, the more they tend to forget their own origins. That's really fascinating. I've seen a tendency toward this even among the top shelf parasite uh, species, but it's very common among the lower species. Uh, for example, the maybe they're, maybe they're like people. What if they were like druggies or something, and they just sort of like, dude, I forgot how I ended up here. Yeah, it does seem to be that way. And, you know, in a way, and they just like it so much that they can't leave. Like well, a lot. There's yeah. genuine fear. You pick up. I'll give you an example. We're talking about X. Uh, you know, if, you, if people want to go back and look at some of our earlier podcasts, we had X again, the New York artist who uh, had precisely this problem. Uh, th this thing had been attached to, to X for over 25 years and was quite comfortable with with what it had, the life it had for itself. And after I started working with X uh, to get rid of it, the thing became terrified that it would lose her. And it seemed to be totally ignorant about where it had come from and what it should do. So it was they'll cling to their host because they don't know where, what else to do. One of the examples, too, uh, of this was, um, well, I'll get to that in a minute. I just wanted to mention some other thing. Uh, but anyway, they seem to forget where they came from. And, and you know, if they stay here too long, it's, it's really almost kind of pathetic in a way. Yeah. So one of the scariest things about parasites is that they can have influence far beyond individual people and families you can even believe that you know you even believe that parasites have a great influence on human history well unfortunately uh, yeah i mean just um well, well think about it uh what one or more parasites can do in a family i mean we see it all the time why couldn't they do with a tribe or village especially when those tribesmen or villages already had some realization of the multiverse through their own religions and their own contact with the earth uh, and its interdependent life. Now, can you imagine the sustenance, the power that a parasite or even an organized troop of them could gain by manipulating or communicating with a group of humans until the people thought they were hearing from a super being, you know, a god or gods? You know, imagine the negative energy or, or, or the food generated by human fear on a tribal or national scale. Oh, yeah, look at, like, World War II and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Think of the impact across the worlds of, of the barbarism, which he's convinced of that. We started out believing in one God, not many. Uh, but imagine something came in and split our concept into God after God after God, many of which, according to folklore and archaeology, demanded human blood. Now, who do you think would have done that? Now, consider the negative power of torture or human sacrifice, or, as you just said, war. Imagine the sustenance to be gained by these things. It's really, this is where it gets really, really scary. 
Uh, and there are examples of, of parasites' influence that go way beyond religion and are in modern times. Uh, probably the most graphic illustration of that is of a parasite's influence over an entire community in modern times is the famous Bell Witch case of Tennessee. Basis for the 2006 film An American Haunting with Donald Sutherland and Sissy Spacek. Now, we've talked about this case on the show before, but I'll, I'll talk about it again because it's, it's an excellent illustration of what, what this is all about. Uh, we've got, got a break coming up, but I'll start the story and finish it after the break. Uh, this was a really bizarre series of events, needless to say, which centered on the Bell family of Adams, Tennessee. It went on from 1817 to 1821. It's very well documented. It's probably the most famous and one of the most well documented poltergeist stories in American history. Uh, parasite poltergeist. Uh, it has a couple of variations, but there's enough documentation, including eyewitness testimony, even in the written history of the county, the Robertson County, to convince me that this is exactly what happened. Uh, what most people who know the story comment on is uh, one nasty poltergeist that centered on the young girl Betsy Bell and then harassed her, her father until he died. It's generally known as the f only poltergeist ever to have killed anybody. I don't believe that. But anyway, we have to take a break right now. We'll get right back to that on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com. Stick with us to hear the rest of it. Psychic Radio. PsychicOnAir.com. The Wake Up Call with Ellen Tom. Well, so you're the first kid on the block and you can prove it. Because there's similar prototypes, but nothing quite as good as yours. Yes. Yours has more than one yes. application. Yes, my God, you're brilliant. Hi, it's Tom Force. Reverend L. Newman and I are here Monday nights, 7 till 9, primetime Eastern Time in the United States with Wake Up Call on Psychic Radio. Psychic Radio. We know you're listening. Life is a journey. Let us be your guide. Reach out on the net now, psychiconair.com. Look for Psychic Radio on your AOL radio player.
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Hello and welcome back. We're talking about the Bell Witch case of Tennessee as an example of parasite activity among us, uh, sort of almost taking over an entire community. Parasites being our term for what in folklore is generally known as demons or evil spirits, things of this kind. I think the modern term is parasites and hosts for these creatures and the people they, they afflict in order to feed uh, their own uh, needs, biological needs. Anyway, I take serious issue with the idea that this particular entity killed Mr. Bell, in 1821, uh, I think that might have drawn him, uh, drawn down his energy, and he might have died from sickness. But uh, I don't think the thing actually killed him. Uh, what I encounter in this story is as many as four famished, brilliant, and vicious parasites that found all the ducks lined up for a feast in a family in which one document indicates that I've seen a child sexual sexual abuse was taking place. Uh, these always invisible entities, which acted as one most but not all of the time, that's another thing you see with them, uh, developed such power and personality that they dominated not only the Bell family, but actually gained friends and power throughout the community. They did this through, I guess you could call it politics, as the story of the witches, quote, quote, unquote, witches' antics in the Bell home spread, people came from far and wide to see it and hear it. Uh, the visitors supposedly included uh, Tennessean and future U.S. President Andrew Jackson and his entourage. Reportedly, the parasites would tell hilarious jokes. These voices would come out of the air. People couldn't see them. Uh, predict the future, quote from the Bible, and together had a very sweet singing voice. Uh, self-righteous churchgoers should take note of the fact that the Bell Witch, as it was known uh, locally, as, or, or as Old Kate, as some people called it, apparently never missed Sunday divine services in several churches at once. Uh, she, quote-unquote, could repeat the sermons from each church word for word every week. Uh, the entities which professed affection for some members of the community, humorous derision for others, and strong dislike for a few, drew more and more attention uh, to themselves as they got stronger and stronger. Uh, but this time, the entities, uh, by this time, they were moving freely around the whole county, giving helpful agricultural and financial advice, and even engaging in matchmaking. At one point, uh, old Kate uh, reportedly saved the life of a little boy caught in a cave-in. Uh, despite these positive acts, it was hard to catch the Bell Witch telling the truth. Uh, she, as it were, would send people off on wild goose chase treasure hunts, for example, and then laugh at, and no doubt feed upon, the results. And the entities were, knew everybody's private business, often setting people against one another. Now, with this combination of unceasing attention going to the parasites and a keep-em-guessing mixture of magnanimity, humor, and nastiness coming from them, this scenario has, what I would say, tribal God written all over it. Now, had this not been a 16th, uh, I should say, a 19th century strict Protestant community, the Bell Witch might easily and quite literally have taken over the town. Now, as a matter of fact, the Bell Witch might very well have been a set of unemployed tribal gods. Now, look at this part of it. Uh, long before the Bells or any other European Americans that settled in western Tennessee, the area was the domain of a little-known native tribe known as the Mound Builders. Uh, these folks left a fascinating network of enormous mounds, uh, many in the shapes of huge animals, over a vast area from what's now the north-central U.S. to the Gulf of Mexico, and from the Mississippi River Valley to the Appalachians, and including Robertson County, Tennessee. 
Uh, the mound builders are believed to have worshipped local gods and practiced human sacrifice. One of the things the Bell Witch's 19th century fans would prod it to confess was its origin and purpose. Now, what little they could ever get out of the parasites had to do with Native American connections and a claim that they had been in the area for centuries. But these critters are record for lying. I mean, who knows? Maybe the, maybe the parasites themselves couldn't remember. Remember, we just talked about them uh, forgetting their own origins if they were in our world too long. So it's my guess that the Bells and their townsmen were entrees for a clan of petty gods and goddesses who had seen better days. Uh, and you look back through our history, talk about influence, this is probably it. All right, so the real fright is what influence parasites might have within governments, especially terrorist groups that have nukes. Yeah, tell me about it. This is really this is really the scariest part of this whole subject because, you know, who knows what influence they have? I mean, look at some of these religions that make murder at least a part of of, of their operational activity. I mean, it's just it's really scary. I mean, what kind of a god? How can you love such a god who who would prod people to commit human sacrifice or to kill others? I mean, it's just it's it's horrifying in the extreme. But it's amazing what people will believe given the chance or given the prodding maybe by these things. Now, now I don't want to take away our personal responsibility. We've got lots of it, and uh, you can't blame these parasites. They can't make us do this stuff, but they sure push buttons. Uh, Can parasites be reasoned with? Can they be reached by compassion and love? Well, stay tuned on that one because we're looking into that. We're we're starting to experiment with it, and you're going to hear more about that. But at this point... Since uh, we're running out of time. Yeah, we're kind of running out of time, uh, but we we do have one email here. Uh, We'll see... How much time we have left? If I actually we have two emails, if I can. Okay, we got three minutes, huh? Four minutes. Okay. Uh, All right. Here's one question. This is from uh, Marcy Lincoln in Spokane, Washington. If parasites are not demons, why are they afraid of the cross in the name of Jesus Christ? Okay, that's a very good question. Uh, They're also afraid. uh, If if you think the name of Jesus sends them running, try the name of ISIS. Uh, That has incredible power. Now, not to denigrate anything. At all, but I mean the the, the power. Let, let me give an example. Uh, I don't, you know, throughout the Gospels, Jesus makes it known when when he when he performed his miracles and his healings. Your faith has healed you. He always would tell the people that it was their faith. And when he went to Nazareth, his own hometown, he the, the, the Gospel of Matthew says he could not do any miracles there because the people said, "We we know you, you know, we we watched you grow up, you know." Well, everybody else might think you're special, but you know, and, and the, hence the the, the the saying that a prophet is never welcome in his own town. So Jesus made it clear that it is the faith of people who make it. Well, if you have faith in Him, you have tremendous power. But the, people who have who don't know about Jesus, people who have faith in ISIS, have tremendous power. People who have faith in 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 uh, I've seen teddy bears work for little children. You know, who who call you know kind of in a way would hug them for protection. I mean. It is the secret of the whole parasite problem, I think, that it is within us, our own faith, our own strength, our own inner power that can help fight these things off and can help solve the problem. And when this power is together, when we, when we put it together and we act as a community, that is when we have real power. And that's the secret message of the paranormal, I think, and it shouldn't be a secret, that together we can do anything. And with faith, we can do anything. So, okay, well, well th- that's um, about all we can. We have time to talk about tonight. So, then, all right. So, our New England Drive Time show in the 
Boston Worcester Providence Triangle is on WOON 1240 AM and ONWorldwide.com tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern. Tomorrow will be a rebroadcast. Yeah, so it'll be a rerun. So anyway, you can, you can check it out if you want. Uh, okay, we have uh, also, uh, let's see. Oh, yes, also check out our website, BehindTheParanormal.com. We're coming up on, we have almost, uh, or over 200 podcasts on the site from here. And from other other shows that we do, uh, you can uh, purchase my books there. You can see what we're doing, upcoming guests, guests from the past, all the information you need to kind of follow uh, what's happening is on that site, BehindTheParanormal.com. You can also subscribe to our newsletter, and uh, you can become a reporter or apply to become a reporter for the show. Uh, what a reporter does is simply to uh, be prepared to report now and then on paranormal activity of all kinds that might be going on in your particular area. Uh, and uh, we have certain guidelines for that, but it's no big deal. You can uh, uh, enjoy it, I think, without feeling pressured. Okay, podcasts again of all our shows, NewSkyRadio.com or at BehindTheParanormal.com. Many thanks to our producer, Will Kosnick. We'll see you right here next Sunday, October 17th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, on CBS News Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com, when our guest will be Kathleen Marden to talk about the alleged 1961 abduction by aliens of her aunt and uncle, Betty and Barney Hill. Uh, perhaps the most famous abduction case of all. Be very and interesting. And you can hear rebroadcasts of Behind the Paranormal on Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, right here on CBS News Sky Radio. And we leave you with a quote from Winston Churchill. You have enemies? Good. That means you're standing up for something sometime in your life. See you next time.